You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dpetro.com. You just click the Listen Live button. It's Tuesday. It's the final uh, day of January. What a month this has been as far as news-wise. And it is not leaving like a lamb. Yesterday turned out to be a deadly day in the state. Not one, two, two homicides yesterday. Both Winsocket and also in Providence, which is just so odd. Now you had the man apparently killed in Winsocket yesterday afternoon and the two daughters are being questioned in it. I've heard a little bit about this, but Cato Street, two of the daughters. Now, I'm going to um, I'm going to wait till some of the facts come out, but I've actually heard a little bit about this from someone connected to the family. They claim, well, should I hold off? Should I not hold off? I'm going to hold off, and we'll wait and see what the police say. Chief Oates is obviously on top of it, so. All right, let's hear um, Deadly Day starting off with uh, with the Woonsocket homicide. Away after a 70-year-old man was found dead. This all unfolding on Cato Street. Police say it was a domestic incident. That's where we find 12 News reporter Amanda Pitts live with the breaking details. Amanda? Well, Mike Shaden, police tell me a 70-year-old man was found dead in this white home here on Cato Street uh. in Woonsocket and is still a very active scene here at 10 o'clock. I'm told his two daughters are now being questioned, and it's believed that one of those daughters could be involved. Again, this happened here on Cato Street in Woonsocket at about 4.45 p.m. The medical examiner left a short time ago with that victim's body. Right now, investigators are on the first floor of that home. We have seen flashes going off, which tells us investigators are taking photos of that scene inside and police right now are on the outside porch of this home as well again Woonsocket police chief thomas oates tells me the victim here is a 70 year old man his two daughters are being questioned by police right now but no one has been charged chief oates tells me it is believed that one of those daughters could be involved here now i did ask just how that victim was killed and chief oates says it is just too early on in this investigation to share that information we'll bring you the latest as we learn them both live on air and online for now live in Woonsocket, amanda pitts 12 news all right so good job by uh we'll stay with amanda or stay with uh, channel 12 i saw them yesterday i was in providence now i've heard with the winsocket situation it was I, again i something about he was going to maybe sell the home and the daughters didn't like it and heard about it and so forth but then you had a woman shot and killed yesterday afternoon in providence two on the same day Th- this was also broad daylight both homicides were in the afternoon. This is not, a lot of times, as someone that follows it, it's a lot of this stuff seemingly um, is after midnight. Not this. Investigating the city's first homicide of the year. It happened this afternoon on Prudence Ave in the city's Silver Lake neighborhood, not far from the Cranston Line. 12 News reporter Kayla Fish spoke to police tonight. She joins us live from that scene with the latest. Kayla? Well, Mike, Shannon, you can see this scene is still active as it has been throughout the night. A portion of Prudence Avenue here in Providence remains blocked off with crime scene tape behind me as detectives continue working to piece together what led to a woman being shot and killed here today. Ah. We have several officers on scene within minutes. 
police cruisers and emergency response vehicles filling Prudence Avenue in Providence Monday afternoon, where police tell us a woman was shot and killed. So what happened earlier today, about 2 o'clock or so, we got a call for a, a shooting. We responded from a female victim. Acting Police Chief Oscar Perez telling 12 News a woman was found at this home in critical condition. She was rushed to the hospital and later pronounced dead. Her death ruled a homicide. Now the detectives are here. We're investigating it. Uh, we're going to conduct a thorough investigation. Detectives remaining on scene throughout the afternoon and into the night. We watched as investigators went in and out of the building using flashlights to search each floor. Police focusing on what appears to be the third floor of the home, taking photos inside. Mayor Brett Smiley telling 12 News he's saddened by the shooting. In a statement, Smiley says, quote, Violent crime like this affects our entire community, especially when it results in a tragic loss. Now, police tell us tonight they have a person in custody, but that person has not been charged at this hour. Police have not yet released the identities of those involved in this incident. Of course, this is still a very active investigation. We'll continue tracking this story and bring you the latest details on air and on WPRI.com. That's the latest live in Providence tonight. I'm Kayla Fish, 12th News. Now, again, it's something I want to point out, folks, is... Um... There's a lot of talk about this assistant principal in Providence, uh, Mount Pleasant High School, who sent out an email to staff saying she was trying to help a student raise money because the individuals that enabled him to get over the border, they demand payment. It was $5,000. You can imagine just how lucrative this business is. But in that he needed the money by February 1st. But what, what I find um, has not really come to light is how much that the state has now. And you can start with, what you know, Mayor Lorza obviously made the state a very, well, sanctuary city. It really started down this path with Governor Chafee. It started with Governor Chafee. If you remember, Rhode Island Governor Don Kachiri, he he was the opposite he wouldn't allow companies, if you had illegals, to clean the courthouses. So, and he used E-Verify. Chafee started going down that road. Then it really started to take root under Gina Raimondo. But she would not issue driver's licenses. Where things really have kicked into high gear is really just, number one, the huge uh, amount of illegals entering the country. As you know, the border is essentially an open border right now under the Biden administration. And now let's bring in... Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, and also his lackey Lieutenant Sabina Matos, and those two, and just in the year and a half that they have been in office, they almost it'll be two years for Governor McKee coming up in March, so almost two full years that he's been in charge of the state. The amount of illegals entering the state, the amount that he has gone out of his way to create an environment and be and really make the state a magnet. To bring more of them uh, illegals in. It, it just can't be underestimated. And so now remember this was also a game changer. As Governor McKee and his Lieutenant Governor Matos. Have also announced they're going to have driver's licenses. So a, a couple of thoughts on this. Number And observations. Number one. This student that the assistant principal was trying to help out. He's, I, I don't believe he's the only one. Now, number two, I, if you visit DePetro.com, I have been talking quite some time about the amount of cartel violence that happens in Rhode Island. 
And Governor McKee, to me, this is he sees no downside. He gets votes and he brings in, allows all these illegals to come in. And you, every taxpayer has to foot the bill. But one of the downsides of this that they never talk about is now look at the cartel violence. Think how many times in the past six months you'll hear of state police, they pull over, you know, some men, some people on 95, 1230, one o'clock in the morning. And it, and it's, and it's like, what are they doing here? Right? They're like from New York or they're from out of state and they're found traveling through the state and they have criminal records and they're dangerous. And you start to wonder, you know, what are they, why are they, why are they coming through Rhode Island? Well, a lot of them are connected to the cartels and a lot of them act as enforcers or hitmen for the cartels. So Governor McKee, to me, and, and I, I'm already willing to guess the media is going to give him a free pass on this because they treat it like, oh, no, you know, it's a providence problem. Yeah, well, it, it's not a providence problem because if you're inviting dangerous drug cartels and their enforcers that want to come in and collect from people that they feel owe them money, which is what's going on, well, now you're endangering everyone. It is a matter of time. Governor McKee, in all his solution— he just beefs up his own state police security um, patrol or, assist, you know, group that protects him. He he is just setting up. It is a matter of time before there's going to be a very violent. A lot of the violence is going to spill over and it's going to be some kind of a cartel shootout. Uh, somewhere near Providence Place Mall, somewhere downtown somewhere you know near one of the hotels and they are ruthless and it doesn't there's no matter of you know they don't touch women or children or there's nothing like that they are ruthless killers and they want their money this is what governor mckee is unleashing in the state so this student at mount pleasant that owes the cartel essentially five thousand and he needs the money by February 1st, which is tomorrow. Or if not, then they come looking for him. And as I have reported on, and I'll put myself more than anyone, you know, houses shot up. A lot of times, a lot of the crimes, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Now it all makes sense. Governor McKee and Matos are, are turning Rhode Island, creating an atmosphere in Rhode Island where you're going to have international violence, international killers coming in. This is a guy, he never should have been put in charge. Never. And he's also not who the people wanted. He is so reckless. Doesn't think beyond. The only thing he cares about is to make sure his home in Cumberland will be protected. What does Governor McKee want to do? He wants to take away weapons from law-abiding citizens and create an atmosphere where international drug killers from the cartel come into Rhode Island looking to collect debts from some of the illegals that burn them in the payments that they owe them to get them into the country. This is the Rhode Island that McKee and Matos is turning the place into, the M&M, McKee and Matos. You watch, you mark my words, 
It's a matter of time. I'm not saying it's going to happen today. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. But when you create this type of atmosphere and all these people that you're attracting and recruiting and having them come in, and many of them have outstanding debts to very dangerous individuals in other countries, Governor McKee is blindly creating an atmosphere. You, you watch. It's a matter of time on the numbers. This violence is going to spill over, and then everyone's going to be wondering what, you know, what happened. But you'll know what stemmed from it. All right. Um, it's, it's Tuesday, the final day of January. Much more ahead on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885 4209. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Joining us right now is uh, one of my siblings. She's also an independent columnist, opinion maker. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, let's start off with uh, President Trump out on the stump in South Carolina. Boy, this was different. You see him in, uh, standing in line getting ice cream. And yeah. uh, they've definitely kind of toned it down a little bit. But one of the things that's um, coming into play, and this is something you uh, accurately touch on quite a bit, is a big part of this comes down to the donor class. Yes, and great to be with you, John. Um, what's what's happening and what's being reported is that, you know, he may have his own new strategy and approach, and maybe he's thinking he's kind of doing like a soft landing, you know, coming out that way. But the donor class and what's being um, reported, it was a good piece in the New York Post, it, they just don't seem warmed up or in any way wanting there to be Trump 24. Um, And John, that really matters because we do understand that a lot of, you know, his backing and all of that stuff that mattered and people would pile on and throw all this money online. He does not, is not in a position to self fund his campaign, by the way, not, you know, the, the level of a presidential is like, you know, way up in the, billions or a hundred billion or whatever, wherever level it's at. And so I think that like really, really matters. And what it also means is that they are looking to put the Republican donor class is going to put their money with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so whether that is DeSantis, um, Trump also took a few pot shots, um, 
And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. You know, this this is a new line of his about, oh, it would be disloyal of these other people, you know, to run against me. And um, But the where the money is going to go, to me, is ultimately what to watch. Because I also think, unlike, and I think you have very correctly pointed this out a few times, you know, he almost underestimates how much he was the beneficiary, John, of free media coverage. Yes, big time. Right? Big, big time. Um, and and when you have CNN and all these people going yeah. live with the rallies, yeah. you and I know that is really how he got in. Yes. Um, and he's so, not going to get it this time. And no. Even, you know, Saturday night he was in South Carolina. And, um, you know, it... it it, you know, and I think you and I even talked, it seemed more like a chamber of commerce as opposed to right? someone running for president in 2024. But in, in 2016, let's face it, these massive rallies, and we've never really seen anything like it on the campaign trail. I mean, President right. Obama used to draw big crowds, but not like this and the fever and the crowd. And you didn't you didn't see it on the Republican side, which I think is is more important. And then he started to he would kind of judge everything on, you know, well, I could get this many people and Biden can't fill this and yeah. that type of thing. And but a big part of that was at any time during 2016, Donna Perry, if you when he was doing a rally, you could flip across CNN and MSNBC. You're certainly not going to get it from CNN and MSNBC, but you're not even getting on Fox anymore. No. And, and that's the thing. Like, I do think him and a lot of, you know, the people that cling around him, they don't realize, J.D., you and I know what a presidential campaign undertaking really means. It's just right. tons of money. And then it's also you turn out votes in all these states. I mean, he was a phenomenon. Um, but as you have said, sometimes you just you might not strike lightning twice. And I I might also add, John. Some another development, maybe you're going to touch on this, that I think is very important and not Go good news for him is that Ronna McDaniel did survive and she has been reelected the chair of the RNC. And the thing yeah. is, the RNC controls a lot of purse strings. Yes. And that's just another angle of that. And in good or bad, she survived it. They have made clear that money is not getting going to get steered to him right. that goes through them. And, and they really have what they used to call the magical list. You know, yeah. um, a long time ago, uh, I was in that building for one year. I, I saw how that works. You know, the donors work through the RNC. They do know where the big, big money is, not just the, you know, online donations. So I'm just saying, like, I think a lot of these developments do not bode well for him. Um, and let's be honest, the guy from Florida, that's a massive money state. And um, I, I just think, you know, Trump is going to put out these little comments. But as you point out, John, that looked more like a rotary dinner or something. Yeah. It was very interesting. I, I don't know. Like and, and but, you know, to fill stadiums, you know, the media is going to be happy to, to show if three quarters of it are empty. Right. And that that's as he would often say, that's not a good look, you know, no. <laughs> so now, folks, again, we're speaking with uh, Donna Perry and DJ um, as much as there's, you know, the whole talk. And we're going to touch on the Memphis situation, but I'd like to get your thought on that Boston Herald editorial. Enough is enough about 
some of the violence that's going on right now in the Boston public schools, it's, uh, it's very serious. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what is happening is there has just been a, a ticked up increase. It really started, you know, a while ago, but certainly last year there was a very disturbing incident where a principal by a female student, John, was just thoroughly attacked jumped in her own principal's office. But that was just the beginning of what's happening. Um, and so the Herald has come out, enough is enough. And they're really going to the heart of this. That, I, And I think this is a very vulnerable topic for this new, you know, uh, Mayor Michelle Wu. I mean, she has does not have her arms around it. And what's going to come to a head is that y- you have had a series of very disturbing incidents, um, whether it's stabbings, these violent assaults. And so now what's happening is then I think they took her to task correctly. And they said, you know, she gives these feeble answers of, oh, this is completely unacceptable. Well, and what they're saying is they, the city council, you know, they have their own muscle with her. And so they got a consultant and they came out with a report that is saying the Boston public schools are actually not safe. And not only do you, do you need metal detectors, at least at the high school level, but they're calling for to have almost their own school's police force. Um, and she seems to bristle at that idea, John. And some of that goes to her kind of progressive viewpoint. But right. listen, it, these things are happening. And all they do, they call the Boston PD like every single day, whether they're in Dorchester and Mattapan, um, this very disturbing thing just days ago that there and these are females were jumping and just violent. You can see all this on social media, violent, violent assault in a hallway. I don't I don't even know what grade they're in uh, against other girls, a teacher, a brave teacher was worried for the safety of, of a different girl and walked her home, attempted to do that. John, these females went after them and the, the teacher and that female student were hospitalized. This just wow. happened. Yeah. This is just within days ago. So, and again, Michelle Wu is kind of doing this, towing this line, and she's very, again, I think that's the progressive side, John, the voice it in her is. head. She's the like anti-police. Yeah. Yes, she doesn't want narrative. And, and so they also pointed out, and I'll just finish on this, you know, she gives these kind of um, feeble answers and saying, you know, all this is about, it's also, you know, she goes back to the community and we need more support for the resources and children who come from these kinds of homes. And John, <laughs> they're saying we're way past that point. Right. You know, they're saying you're going to have a teacher murdered. Um, these out of control. Yeah. And it is getting worse. And Boston PD, I don't blame them. They're saying, you know, you tell us how much we're supposed to do here, you know? So I do think. And these are girls, by the way, these are girls. Girls. And so this is just wildly out of control. The teachers fear for their safety. When they went after that principal, it, it was just, you know, chilling. Yes. That that a female would, John, like went past all the barriers. We all know how schools look, right? Goes charging into a principal's office. Mm. Um, and that woman was hospitalized. And wow. I'm not sure if she ever came back. So it's just out of control. And I mention it because when you're a new mayor, 
I just think that, you know, she is, um, a lot of it is she's on the talking points more like, you know, the progressive counselor she was, she said, and I'll leave it at this. She said like the number one issue for her, this is in the speech state of the city just like days ago. And she said is to make Boston a greener city. That is just (laughs) JD. Like if you can't, you're having like kids practically killing staff in right. schools and she says that is her highest wow. priority so huh. it's a big issue for her it is folks quick break much more ahead donna perry right here on the john DePetro show next time you have an emergency think at med urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich right across from felicia's at med urgent care when you have an emergency they specialize ambulatory medicine they provide immunization school and sports physicals at at med urgent care they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net we're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. DJ, I also just want to give you a chance to weigh in on what we saw take place in Memphis. Uh, to me, you know, the, the whole element of hearing about it, uh, the, you know, the, the individual that was in the traffic stop mm. did die. Uh, they really built it up to Friday night. But they, they, everyone, to me, the media and or some of the normal, usual talking points they they almost seem thrown because for instance like Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee said you know we have to end racism I what what are you talking about there were five black police officers that granted did that to another individual now when I've when I've talked to obviously which I did some police over the course of the weekend I mean they talk about that no one wants to talk about the acceptable level of violence of black on black crime whether it be in Chicago or in this situation or you know, even in Providence, it, no one really blinks right. when you have, it's always seemingly, and saying things in parts of Massachusetts, of, of, you know, a black male goes and shoots and kills another black male. Yeah. So, but I'd, I'd like to give you a chance just to weigh in on, on the Memphis situation. Well, um, on, on all those points, I agree with it does alter what has been a narrative that's been out there since the George Floyd incident that, yes. you know, this is white police officers, um, you know, brutally mishandle, you know, a, a black male, whether it's a, the guy in the street in traffic stop. And then there was a lot more of the George Floyd cases at, right. as that came out. We know that. Um, and, and you're right. Like, I think the media has been sort of like funky in how they're a lot of the national media, I think, you know, like you say, they're a little bit not sure how to play it. They, you know, the, these are five black police officers in Memphis and, you know, they really did beat the the guy to death, really. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's horrible. And 
terrible. I, w- I would just say this for anyone, any of us, you're a driver. Uh, I really found it just grossly disturbing because it is there. I think, and we should drop the word. It's not racism. I mean, I think you have an incidence, uh, many of these things over a traffic stop. And so it's so disturbing. I, I, you know, I didn't follow every nook and cranny of it. I don't know if they thought he had something in the car that was illegal, but to say that John, just to look at that video, it tells you a couple of things. Number one it you sense without the camera, I hate to say they felt they could be that brutal and they're going to get away with it. Um, and they were wearing body cams. And they're wearing the body. <laughs> so, yes. but the idea, I do think, like, as you say, this is a very touchy issue. It is. Um, in, in heavily, you know, black population cities, John, let, let's be honest. And most of the black police chiefs are um, excuse me, police chiefs are often black in major cities. I mean, we've right, seen the, that. The police chief in Memphis, and it comes down yep. to, I, and not to get into a big thing, but I'm trying, there was there was nothing done by the book. I mean, they're tasering the guy, and no one was saying like, hey, everybody calm down, and there was no, they were using pepper spray and taser, and, and then he's running, and they're out of shape trying to chase yeah. him. It is, what, what we witnessed to me is poor policing. I, I don't. I don't know. Think I don't. I don't see it as racism. Exactly. It's, if you want to address how were these people considered an elite unit, I think that's fair. But what what you saw and we all witnessed that that is there was nothing about that that was by the book. And this was their wearing body cams. Well, that so you see yeah. everything that's going on. And but you know, go yeah. Ahead. And and I would just say that what is very chilling to see there, um, as you say. Good policing, which, by the way, Boston has and Boston has some of the best and they train other departments. So, by the way, when Michelle Wu is like not wanting, you know, to she she to me, she talks in you know, doublespeak and she's like dropping like weird, you know, sideway insults to the police. Boston police are known for their training in de-escalation. That was a situation what happened in Memphis, you know, of course. They are beating, and this guy in his oh, torso, ridiculous. he's probably internal bleeding, and, and yeah. the person goes well, in into... in the ambulance, took 25 minutes to get there, I mean, which is a and, whole other thing. You know, he's in a panic, as any yeah. individual, John. They're, they're, you know, they're in a panic state physically, so naturally, it's just anyone's instinct to fight back, and I think that for police to not have the capability or determination to de-escalate at that moment. I find right. it very chilling. I think it's it's very disturbing. And as you say, if the media wants to be honest, there is a complicated story there. I mean, whether those police often run into a young black male, they probably do because it's a heavenly black city, et cetera. And that's not racist. It's just it's that not racism, they no. need and, to be trained, you know, I mean. You know, and again, as someone that covers crime, uh, in and around the city, that yeah, you know, as you the, do. The Black Lives Matter and so forth. They they want to talk about Breonna Taylor. They want to have a march about George Floyd. I would. I sometimes, I don't want to use the word confront, but I have inquired to them. Somebody was shot and killed right on Broad Street, and no one is cooperating with the police. Why don't you do a a vigil on that? Why don't you march right. into the the neighborhood and demand an answer? Now, folks, again, we're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker Donna Perry, DJ. This is something a little bit different, and just with your background in media. Um, WBZ Channel 4 in Boston, they're going to experiment now with a 6 o'clock news with 
sports report. And, you know, let's face it, yesterday, you know, like everyone was yeah, watching the, the AFC big game. championship yeah, game, the right. NFC championship game. How many people are then tuning in to watch it in their six o'clock news? Apparently, they find people tune in for weather. They tune in for these human interest stories. But for so long, yeah, that has been the formula, right, of the, the lead story, the A block, the B block. Yeah. And they hit weather at 615. We're cruising into sports, sports getting shorter and shorter. But I'm just curious your thought on them deciding, listen, no one is tuning in to see our sports reporting here. Yeah. And, John, I think this is a tip of the iceberg of I think local news is, is going to be under a big transformation. Yes. Um, it's been a long time coming, as you say. Yep. But, you know, between everyone, all the sports teams, everyone tweets all night on the scores. And right. you know, they, I think they're just deciding that looks like really old information. Everyone, yeah. you know, knew Kansas City won. That was a very thrilling game at the end. Right. Um, I'm not an expert, but I do enjoy no, seeing it. When I it's agree. At, yeah, but when it's at that playoff level. people are really saying, oh, okay, I mean – that, when you think about it, if we really mm. want to step back, um, you're leading your newscast with everything that's happening in real time, right? They so many times going live to a scene of a shooting. The weather is right. in fluctuation is in real time. Know, tonight in real time. You know, it's raining right now. It's snowing. In some ways, the sports cast in the news report, it is kind of a throwback. I mean, what real new material are they delivering a lot of times it's just a bunch of old highlights well right and as you say at this point everyone saw all the big plays are, are just tweeted out all night you yes. know so in real time then so for and and this is i do think john you, what you're seeing is a larger um result of you know local news is in some ways going to have a challenging advertising environment and slowly yeah. coming to that so you know yeah. they're going to pick and choose how many anchors and, and what areas and you know maybe they don't they don't need the old five guy sports department kind of thing right and, you know? and just final note on it i this is one of those things people may not like it but um you know you and i remember for the longest time the new york times didn't have a sports section and then they added that but you're going to start to see if people are going on social media to watch these, you know, there's a cat like jumping around in a house, a cat story or something. Right. Or a dog, you know, who goes down a slide as much as it does seem foolish and it is. But but they're going to decide if that's what people are watching, whether it be on, you know, pick a social media app. Then I, 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 don't, I think people are going to be surprised. You're going to start to see that come in. Donna Perry, the last thing, CNN is going through a transformation right now. And yeah. for, the, for a while now, Bill Maher, who had the – he first started on Politically Incorrect. And the yeah. first time he actually said something politically incorrect on ABC, which was one thing about the hijackers. They had courage. They didn't parachute off. They stayed on the planes at 9-11. He got fired from ABC the first mm -hmm. time he actually – said yeah. anything politically incorrect but his show on hbo more and more um some of the clips that make its way into you know facebook or twitter it, they become very popular and he just has a different approach and so i'm curious to hear your thought on cnn is announcing now they haven't told us exactly what they're going to be showing but i think they're going to start to show bill maher on friday nights on cnn yeah. And, and you know what, John, CNN is undergoing a bit a kind of a bit of a realignment, aren't they? Yes. And, and that's part of it. You know, they have new CEO who came in 
um, you know, the Jeff Zucker era is over where it was like too political and too against Trump. CNN, I believe, is realizing they want the diversity of opinion and views. Bill Maher is irreverent. I think he's funny. He is. Um, it, he he can be a big liberal, but he's just funny because he's irreverent and he's not, yeah. you know, doing this ideology. And I think CNN is really on a march. They're thinking you better get back some of these viewers, John. And yes. as we've often said, when half the country, you know, really did want to go down and continues to go down the, you know, conservative viewpoint, um, CNN does not have the reputation to even be remotely fair. to, you know, big Republican politicians. So I think that, you know, a putting Marr in that position, CNN needs that kind of uh, a guy. I think he brings in views. He brings in viewers. He's, you know, he's funny. He's irreverent. As we say, like, let there be comedy in politics and stop having people have to apologize for everything they say. And I think he represents CNN a little bit trying to go back in the middle where they had viewers Yes, he yeah. does. I think it's a great move. Yeah. Folks, again, she's independent columnist, opinion maker, Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. You bet. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today. Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren, take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. On the line, she has written a new book, and the book has to do stealing your vote. Christina Bob. With an introduction by of Steve Bannon. So let's see if we can locate her. She is, in fact, the attorney that um, was involved with the raid, Christina Bob, and she has this new. Folks, joining us on the line right now on the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM, the author of Stealing Your Vote, we want to welcome to the John DePietro Show, it's Christina Bob. Good afternoon on this Monday, Christina. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your book. Take us inside your book about what happened in 2020 and what is some of the things that people should be concerned about for 2024. Well, so I just take the readers through my experience. I was working as an investigative reporter at the time with One America News. I was reporting from the White House on election night and was shocked probably much the way most of your listeners were when they called Arizona for Joe Biden. And I thought, there's no way. Like, how, how they just called Florida like 15 minutes earlier. There's no way they're ready for Arizona. 
And so that was the first time I kind of thought, oh, man, maybe we're maybe we really are going to have a problem with this election. And, you know, of course, then they stopped counting and then it took them several days to find additional ballots and, you know, that whole situation. Uh, so I just started investigating and I, I was on the ground in Arizona for months and months with the Arizona audit. I was on the ground in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And I spoke with as many elected officials in those states as I could. I spoke with county clerks, uh, city workers, uh, poll watchers, volunteers, observers, you know, everybody that I could who actually witnessed what took place. And I tried to kind of take the reader through what what happened and more so not more so than just what happened on election night because we stole it right like you don't need me to tell you that it was stolen certainly i give the details and some of the statistics in each of the states about you know the number of problem ballots and all of that stuff but more importantly was the cover-up and the way i like to summarize the book is that democrats stole the election and republicans covered it up and the book focuses on all of the things that we can all see that were problems, right? The voter rolls, the ballot stuffing, ballot trafficking, uh, no voter ID, or were there illegal people voting? All, all of those questions and concerns that we have that we think should be easy fixes. Uh, why haven't they been fixed? Why weren't they fixed between 2020 and 2022? And what do we need to do to put pressure on our leaders to actually make the right changes? And uh, I, I kind of just walk everybody through where the cover-up was, what you could do in your area to get involved. And I give examples of people who have done some really great work in their local areas. And I hope that the readers want to emulate some of that. Folks, again, we're speaking with Christina Bob. The book is Stealing Your Vote. Christina, you also uh, go out, go after, I should say, some of the Republicans in your book. If you wouldn't I mind do. just touching on that a little bit. Yeah, I do. I think... Republicans were a bigger problem than Democrats. Yes, Democrats cheated, but the only reason they were able to cheat was because they had enough cowardly Republicans who were refusing to stand up and protect our elections and call out the obvious criminal activity. And so um, in all of these states, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, there were Republicans in elected positions that should have been the sentinels that say, oh, no, that's a problem. We need to change it. And they refused to do it. And so, for example, in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, Senator Mastriano there, was trying very hard to create an Arizona-style audit in Pennsylvania. He wanted to audit Pennsylvania as well. And he had so much opposition from Republicans in that state, particularly Jake Corman, the president of the Senate there. And um, I go through the detailed conversations that I had with Doug Mastriano, as well as what he relayed to me about his conversations with Jake Corman and the other Republicans in the Senate. But the really frustrating reality, particularly about Pennsylvania, as well as most of these other states, is that Republicans, the Republicans that wanted transparency and wanted to correct the election never even got the chance to fight Democrats on the issue because they couldn't get past the Republicans. And that part, that was the most infuriating thing for me to realize that Republicans were in our way, not Democrats. Folks, again, we're speaking with Christina Bob, the book Stealing Your Vote. Christina, I'm curious, because you also get into this in your book, of some of the things that you believe need to be changed before the 2024 election. Yeah, well, one thing that I'd love to see changed is um, these massive county, uh, these counting facilities where they're all centralized. They centralize the counting in areas like Philadelphia, 
Milwaukee, Madison, you know, they've got centralized counts rather than counting the ballots at the precincts, which is what used to happen or, or a decentralized form of counting. And the reason why I think that's really important, and that's something that your listeners can get involved in and uh, organize and come up with a way in your county to make sure that your count is decentralized. Um, the reason why that's a problem is because it's much easier to cheat when everything is centralized in one area. You only need one or two people involved in the process. If everything is decentralized and it's spread out all over the state, then you need people all over the state who are willing to cheat. And the reality, the reality is I don't think most people wanted to cheat. I think they were trying to do the right thing and do uh, you know, their civic duty by volunteering and I don't think they realized that by being a part of a centralized counting facility that actually facilitates more election tampering. Um, of course, mail-in ballots is a huge problem. Some states, I think, will be better than others at getting rid of them. Uh, if you're in a state where you have the possibility of getting rid of mail-in ballots, work with your your neighbor, your friends and your family and your neighbors to petition to get rid of mail-in ballots. Make sure that you don't have this massive excess of ballots that can then just be filled out by anybody who wants to add ballots to the tally. Uh, I mean, there's a num- there's a myriad of things, and I, I go through the, the various uh, scenarios in the book. Christina, I can tell you in our part of the the country, the the ballot harvesting is is a huge problem. Where um, depending yeah. on the states, you know, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Uh, someone can handle more than 10 ballots, but Rhode Island's actually unlimited where you have people that can drop off like 1,000 ballots. The 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 fact our, our system was never designed to have where people can go out and literally collect thousands of ballots, right? right? Millions, yeah, across yeah. the country. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What was it like yeah, in Arizona? Go ahead. What was it like in Arizona? Because that's... That's really interesting. And I, I was shocked that Carrie Lake did not win that election. She right. is uh, one of a kind. So you were right there on the ground in Arizona, Christina. Yeah. I was. Well, I do think Carrie Lake won that election. I think that election mm. was stolen as well. And I think she had more than enough evidence to prove her case. I think the courts are just too timid to change the status quo. I mean, when you have elected officials who are who are go along to get along and just do whatever needs to be done so that... Uh, you know, they can go home and ignore, <laughs> ignore the government. Um, that, that's the kind of judges you end up with and you have a problem on your hands, but she had more than enough information. She had whistleblowers. Her attorneys were able to catch the uh, election director from Maricopa County uh, in a lie. He perjured himself on the stand and was forced to acknowledge it. And the court still didn't have a problem with that. I mean, mm. it's really just kind of astounding to me that, there can be so much evidence presented and the courts have just been unwilling to make an honest ruling. Uh, your introduction to your book was done by Steve Bannon. Uh, I mean, that is an unbelievable honor. What, what can you, how did you approach him and do, can you share with us that conversation? Sure. Oh, I was so, so grateful. I, I mean, of course, Steve Bannon has been uh, one of the loudest voices, you know, that I, that I personally know anyway, um, on this and, uh, my, my publisher actually approached him before I did. And I, I do know Steve. I got to know him in my post-2020 work. Um, but the, the publisher actually asked if he would be willing to do it. And then once they said that he was, I was just so thrilled. And I called him and was so grateful. So um, it, it was actually the publisher, not me. But since then, you know, I, 
I've just been so ecstatic that he was willing to lend his voice to try to further this message. Folks, again, it's author Christina Bob. Before we let it go, now, Christina, this whole business, uh, you were right in the eye of the storm. But since then, this business with the documents, well, what is your reaction to yeah. President Biden with the Corvette, now Mike Pence? Yeah. Uh, what is yeah. Christina Bob's reaction to that? My reaction, so uh, my reaction, when, the, I think it was the first day after I heard about Biden's documents, I went to a meeting, uh, one of our staff meetings. And I walked in, a friend of mine was sitting there, and I go, hey, do you see the, the Biden documents? And uh, No, I'm sorry, I didn't even say Biden documents. I go, hey, do you see the news? But that's what I was referring to. He knew exactly what I was referring to without even saying it. And he just looked at me and he smiled. He goes, all I can say is God loves Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> because it just shows the hypocrisy, like blatant, unabashed hypocrisy of the way they're applying the law to conservatives versus the way they apply the law to Democrats. So um, I think what they were trying to do, of course, was criminalize behavior that's not actually criminal. There was nothing criminal about Donald Trump having these documents. It's so common, in fact, that everybody in office has them. The only person who is compromised with these is Joe Biden, because we know what's on Hunter Biden's laptop, and we know that he's sells information and uh, has used classified information to negotiate agreements for himself, where Joe Biden gets 10%, you know, the 10% kickback. So the only person that has criminal exposure, as far as I can see, is Joe Biden. He was not covered by the Presidential Records Act. He didn't have the ability to declassify. And he's compromised. His son is compromised. His son is paying $50,000 a month to rent this house that didn't warrant $50,000 a month. Was he paying for access to the documents? We know he was using classified information to negotiate with foreign powers. So... Joe Biden should be the one that's in trouble. I don't think Mike Pence has any liability either. I mean, what did, what was Mike, Mike Pence didn't do anything wrong. So um, I think Joe Biden's the only one with any criminal liability. Of course, that's not the way the Department of Justice is going to frame it. We'll see what kind of tap dance show they want to put on here. But I don't think... I don't think Donald Trump has any any liability. Yeah, I also I, I think it's also interesting, and someone brought it up of of what's even considered classified. And the example they use, let's just say like, and you you were really in the thick of this, but let's just say someone like Mike Pence. So the vice president, when he's vice president, he's going to travel to you know pick a state. He's going to travel to Michigan, and now his agenda that that day where he's going to go, the logistics of it. I mean that that is considered classified information, but after the trip. Uh, then if if something like that was found, I mean, is that I, I, I don't know. I mean, that it sounds like the whole system of how we treat and what is considered classified documents needs to be revisited because, you know, it sounds that I, I could see maybe the Secret Service needs to say maybe they there's certain intel that they don't want. But it sounds like a lot of times after the fact that that's not something yeah. that necessarily is no, you're, classified. You're exactly right. And I think that's also largely why they're not disclosing what they found. I mean, if there was something, if Donald Trump were negotiating nuclear secrets with Russia, right, they could say, hey, we discovered that Donald Trump is negotiating nuclear secrets secrets with Russia. They could say that without disclosing any classified information, but they're not because there was nothing of value in there. There was mm. nothing of any importance that, that I, I, you know, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's why 
they're hiding behind this national security, you know, shield. They don't want to tell us because if they told us, everyone would be like, are you kidding me? You're putting our country through hell over nothing? But we'll, we'll see what they do. All right, just two more quick questions. And again, folks, Chris, uh, Christina Bob, congratulations. Unbelievable new book, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024. What do you make of the uh, White House press secretary and how she's handling this uh, situation with the Biden documents? Everything she says is a lie. I don't know why anybody <laughs> believes a word that comes out of her mouth at this point. Does anybody believe a word that comes out of her mouth at this yeah. point? And doing bad things. It's another to go to work and do it openly and publicly with the intent to deceive the entire country, arguably the entire world. So I, she's just she's lying. And I don't know why anybody would listen to a word she says. Yeah, I think if anything, though, it's just like repeating talking points. Like they might as well just have like a Siri up there that no matter what you ask, this is. Yeah, that's the answer that just comes out. It's just like kind of babbling. And also, Christina, how's the reaction been to the vote? How's the, you know, the book tour? I mean, how's the um, how's it been? How's how is it being an author now? It's it's been great. And thank you so much for, for asking that. I'm really grateful for everyone's support and for their encouragement and the the most uh the the best compliment that i have received from a number of people at this point is that the book was easy to read that was my number one priority because sometimes books you know on elections or on topics like this can be hard to read and so i tried very hard to make it like a very easy flowing narrative format and I got compliments on that. So that really meant a lot to me. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I found that. I want people to know that. A friend of mine asked me, and I said, you know what it is? It's the type of thing you can put it down, and then I pick it up and just start reading a random section. And it's interesting, and it all makes sense, and it's very easy to follow. Folks, again, the book, Stealing Your Vote. Christina Bob, Christina, it's great to talk to you. Congratulations on the book, and hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you for spending some time on The John DePietro Show. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. All right, folks, there it is. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build. Enjoy. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you, if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, depietro.com.
The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.